Hello there, this is Bernard Karis with another edition of your almost weekly innovation podcast. Sorry I haven't been with you last week, but I was up in Scotland working with the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, which was absolutely amazing. It is a fantastic orchestra and we work on strategy and actually innovation with them, which is fascinating to see how you can connect the old and the new world. But now let's get to the news. First of all, the Bitcoin roller coaster. Cryptocurrencies have become a major news over the last few months, often fueled by the stellar rise of Bitcoin, which is only one of many cryptocurrencies actually. In mid December, one Bitcoin was priced at almost 20,000 US dollars, before it crashed again to below 7,000 US dollars. The volatility makes the headlines, but the underlying developments are significantly more are important. The history of Bitcoin started in summer 2008, almost 10 years ago when the domain bitcoin.org was registered. The peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin network was born in January 2009. But nobody really noticed. Bitcoin trading started to become noticeable only five years ago. Prices increased from around US dollar 100 to 800 US dollars and Bitcoin traded more and more. The volume increased. Still, it was something more probably for nerds. Only in summer 2017 did trading pick up and led to the immense price increases sparking a discussion about cryptocurrencies and blockchain around the world. Now it landed on the political agenda with Estland mining its own cryptocurrency, India and Russia declaring it illegal, and the US Senate having a hearing on cryptocurrencies. When a topic arrived at the political agenda of several countries, it will not go away anymore. So it's better to think about how one can use it for your own benefits without getting burned. So whatever you do, learn about bitcoins and cryptocurrency, it is really important. Coming up next, is actually all about fitness, so stay tuned. Can you remember the time when everybody was crazy about fitness, standing in front of their television set and watching a video with Jane Fonder and trying to imitate her movements? Jane Fonder found out in 1982 that fitness at home really sells. When she was persuaded to do fitness video for a still nascent VHS market, and you probably don't even know what VHS is, it is one of the video formats, the tape not only sold more copies than Star Trek 2, but possibly also pushed video player sales. This week, fitness startup Miro announced that they raised 13 million US dollars for their new at-home fitness device. The device is looking like a mirror connecting you to your trainer and your fitness class, but also analyzing your movements. So you can actually start training at home, having the feeling of being in a class with other people and with your trainer. This is actually a very nice feeling because you don't need to go out to a fitness club. You can stay in your home and you can train. That the fitness movement is actually 
hitting strongly on technology shows another tech startup in that space. Last year, the biking tech company Peloton raised 325 million US dollars. But what is even more staggering is the valuation of over a billion dollars. To be exact, it was a billion point twenty-five US dollars. Peloton sells fitness bikes for your home for no less than $2,000. And actually, they are simply fitness bikes, nothing else. But they have as big a screen and they are connected by a monitor to your virtual spinning class. So it seems again that you can actually train at home and have the feeling of being in a community. The fitness at home movement is again fueled by technology bringing the social aspects of fitness clubs right into your living home. And you can be sure that more of these kind of fitness apps and technology apps are coming up. So stay tuned. Up next is a bit on artificial intelligence, so stay tuned and um, listen to the next segment. When artificial intelligence meets our brains, what happens when artificial intelligence and machine learning meets our very own brain? What some might attribute to a Frankenstein movie is becoming a reality and has actually huge benefits to a society with an increasing life expectancy. A research team led by Michael Kahana from the University of Pennsylvania already discovered a year ago that learning can be enhanced when parts of the brain are stimulated at the right time with electrodes which are implanted into the brain. That was interesting to know by itself, but it did not have so much useful value yet for the healthcare industry. So they went on in their research and they now just have published a paper in Nature about electrodes, again implanted in the, your brains, which not only can read neural activity, but also can stimulate it. And what is important, you need to stimulate the neural activity at the very right time. So only when your brain is actually ready to learn, you can stimulate that. And the interesting thing is that these electrodes are self-learning, have a self-learning mechanism built in, which means they understand when the brain is ready to learn, then they will actually stimulate it. When the brain is not ready to learn, they just won't do anything. First tests have shown that their system can increase the patient's ability to recall words by 15%. This is a first step in the right direction of addressing memory failures and could help potentially many, many people suffering from dementia or just you know, getting a bit older and not remembering everything. For dinner conversation, there are two things which are really good to know. First of all, Twitter posted its first ever net profit, making its shares jump by 25%. And then Japanese SoftBank's Vision Fund, with a war chest of almost 100 billion US dollars, and known for their 7.7 .7 billion placement with Uber, is pushing the well-known Silicon Valley VCs aside. They are pouring money into Silicon Valley like no one else. And here are a couple of dates for your diary. On April 18 to 20 in Vienna, 
you have again the International Digital Festival Game Changers by the television company Pro7 Set1 and Pulse4. And I'm happy to announce that I will be actually speaking at that event, so it would be great to see you. And another in event in Vienna is coming up in May, from 24th and 25th of May. Pioneers Festival is coming again to Vienna. Last but not least comes my regular music tip. Simply because I love classical music, but I also think that it can help and do a lot of good um, and will provide you a fantastic background or fantastic stimulation for your brain. Estonia celebrates its 100th anniversary and they do it in a way which is really beautiful. They send around one of the great conductors, Maestro Pavo Yervi, with the newly formed Estonia Festival Orchestra. This orchestra is made up of the very best players from around the world who really enjoy working with Pavo Yervi and he enjoys working with them. This follows very much the example of the late Claudia Bardo who founded Lucerne Festival Orchestra, bringing together for the summer always the musicians he really um, loves the most and worked the best. The orchestra normally meets in the summer in the idyllic Pernod Festival, which is still a bit of a secret tip for music lovers, um, and I suggest you actually to check it out. But it will soon be just another great hotspot for classic music over the summer. They recorded Shostakovich's Seventh Symphony, Shostakovich's Seventh Symphony. I'm sorry to, for my mispronunciation here. Um, many of you know that I love Shostakovich, and it's a great recording. Also, you find on it the Sinfonietta, uh, made up from the string quartet. So, you find the recording, Shostakovich, Symphony Number no. 6 and Symphonietta with the Estonian Festival Orchestra and the conductor Pavo Yervi on Amazon and iTunes. Check it out. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please come back um, next week or the week after. Share it if you like it. And let me know any questions or suggestions you might have. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.